Bambandus Hira Gareth. <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> what did you just call me? <laughs> Bambandus Hira Gareth. Okay, what language is that? I'm saying sorry I'm late. I am sorry I'm late. Um, but it is Estonian. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, as putting the brilliant Estonian aside, why are you late? Okay, so I've got a great idea, very creative idea. I'm going to shoot in drag in a monokini later today. And I just want to make sure that all the hairs are in place, as in like non-existent. Knee hairs are very difficult to get rid of. Have you ever tried shaving your knees? I get why women cut them all the time now. I don't think I've got hairy knees. Have you got hairy knees? Everyone has hairy knees. Don't be silly. you got knees like a hobbit, haven't you? <laughs> oh my gosh. No, not that bad. It's just, I find like there's a lot of ridges. It's kind of like a, I guess like a big scrotum. <laughs> mm, you should moisturize more. I don't think that's the problem. It's just the wrinkles. Maybe um, Botox for my knees? Yes. No-tox. <laughs> <laughs> because you can get scrotox, right? So... I have no direct experience with that, but I have seen it, it is a thing. Oh, okay. Hmm. My balls are quite smooth anyways. So oh. Everyone says so. <laughs> <laughs> what have you been up to? Oh, I've been busy this week. I have been making my own lube. Did you say lube? Lube. Oh, okay. So many questions. Why? Out of what? Um, like, when are you using? Like, I know, right? Okay, I have answers for you. So it was just a bit of a hobby because I needed to buy some... And I thought, ah, oh, I wonder if there's a different way of doing that. And this is just for personal use. Obviously, I'm not hooking up with anyone. Um, <laughs> disclaimer, disclaimer. Global <laughs> <laughs> citizen um, right here. Exactly. <laughs> Please don't report me. <laughs> what I've done is I bought some raw shea butter. You know shea butter? Shea yeah. butter. Yeah. <laughs> I, I literally just looking at you with my mouth half open. So the shea butter turned up in this big sort of block of shea butter, like just raw shea butter. And it's really good. I, what I've done is chopped it into little jars. So I've made my own jars of lube of shea butter and it's just raw shea butter. And you use that. It's great. You didn't make lube. Oh my God, Gareth. You're just using moisturizer as lube. That's not making lube. You didn't add anything. There's no scents. There's no like additives. There's no paraffins. I'm branding it. Oh, Okay. Oh, could this maybe go along with my glitter douche? Yes. This is a new line for our merch store, our personalized lube. For snowballers. <laughs> snowballers lube. Anyway, I'm just putting it out there. If you fancy some shea butter lube, I've got plenty. You once told me this, that you used to use Vaseline as lube. And I told you off about that. I still stand by that. That's a good decision. You used to use it for anal. And your point is? It's non-breathe. It's like so bad. Like it doesn't breathe. It's, I don't know. I feel as though like it's clogging something up. It shouldn't, it's, blo it's going to block something. It's very slippery. <laughs> it does the job, okay? Did I tell you when I used to work for Elizabeth Arden? I used to work for Elizabeth Arden in my early 20s. <laughs> As a cover girl. <laughs> and, yeah, and Myers. I was actually working in fragrance, but then they put me in Elizabeth Arden because they were like, we need coverage. And I'm like, I know nothing about any of this. Long story short, um, the lady that was working there, she told me about their like, number one selling product, eight-hour cream. Older gays know eight-hour cream because eight-hour cream was like, I don't know, what's the equivalent? It was like the do-all, it does everything. Yeah, I don't know if there is an equivalent. It was just something that whatever you wanted... Dry elbows, eight-hour cream. Crack click, yeah. eight-hour cream. Cut yourself. Slap it on. Hemorrhoids, eight-hour cream. Lost a tooth, eight-hour cream. 
Where are you going with this story? She told me, as like a forty-year-old woman, like with kids, she told me that the gays love eight-hour cream because they used to use it as lube. That is expensive lube for starters, but I bet you, like, their holes and their dicks were like smooth, smooth, <laughs> supple. <laughs> I don't have a gap anymore. Yeah, but it's just like long-lasting lubrication, isn't it? That's what you need. But the only thing is the texture is very, very thick, very gloopy, very globby. Good for fisting, probably. <laughs> um, did you hear the horrible news? <laughs> Which horrible news? There's so much. <laughs> <laughs> Lady Gaga's dog walker. I know. I have been following that story closely. Last update was the dogs have been found. Still, I think the dog walker is still in intensive care, but no one seems too concerned about him. No one does seem concerned. I was like, when they said shot, I immediately assumed that he was dead. But also, like, shot four times in the chest. Like, not just nicked by a grazing bullet. Like, seriously shot. I did not know that. I could be making that up, but I'm, I'm sure it's like serious shooting. I'm looking after my neighbor's dog. Are you crazy with this spate of dog napping on the, on the loose? It's Canada. <laughs> That dog napping gang is on the run. They could be anywhere by now. I don't think anyone wants Hadley. She is completely deaf and partially blind. <laughs> That's why I love her. What breed of dog is Hadley? She's like that shaggy, like Australian shepherd. You know, the ones that have like um, one colored eye that's like different. People are in love with. Is it an Australian shepherd? No, that's a husky, isn't it? Isn't it like the snow dog where they have like... Oh, no, no, no. This is this is like an inbreed at the moment. I find like a lot of people have this dog. It's kind of like, it looks like a lassie dog, but it's an, it's an Australian type of dog. Anyway, it has a lot of people want like the one blue eye, one brown eye kind of combo, but she has both blue eyes. So she's not very valuable at all. I think you're pretty safe with Hadley. Well, I think it's glaucoma. That's why they're so cloudy. <laughs> not coloured contacts. <laughs> Anyway, I think I'm safe. No one's going to be taking Hadley. Any feedback on last week's show? Yes, actually. I have, I have actually a fair bit. So Matt wanted to clarify. He actually thinks that you've done a very good job of softening your vowels. Thank you very much. But what I want to know is like, what is a soft vowel? Like a soft J is a, like a Y, like yog. Sure. So what's a soft vowel? Uh, well, it's easier when you think about some of the words. So like... Kangaroo and koala and Danny Minogue. Danny? If you're going to soften those, it'd be kangaroo and koala and Daniel Minogue. <laughs> I think you're doing it wrong, but it seems like it's working for Matt. Then again, he also still thought that your accent was British, so. <laughs> Bonjour. <laughs> oh my God, you're so good at Spanish. <laughs> you in Spanish class. <laughs> oh, that was a disaster. <laughs> Um, and my friend Rob, he was very interested to know, like, with your impreg, with the impreg novel um, concept, he wanted to know who would you want to impregnate or who would you want to be impregnated by? That's a good question, actually, isn't it? Um, I would like to be impregnated by Joan Benginello. Oh, my God. I've been watching True Blood again. Suki's such a slut, but I love her. We do not slut shame on this podcast. I'm just jealous, actually. I just called her the S word because I'm jealous. <laughs> uh, who would you want to impregnate, though? Oh, well, I don't want children. No. I once got asked by a lesbian couple to be their seed donor. And the idea of like being um, like knowing that I had a child out there, but then having no like 
responsibility, financial or like parental responsibility really appealed to me, but I still said no. Did I ever tell you I did sperm donation? Yeah. Like you could get a knock at the door any day now and it could be me. (laughs) (laughs) The mess does add up actually. (laughs) That is not my impreg fantasy. I'm going to tell you now. (laughs) How dare you? Um, (laughs) Did you have any other feedback? Oh yes. This one is amazing. Your friend, David Luca, the one that you interviewed. So after Valentine's Day, I actually texted him to be like, our episode is up, you know, happy Valentine's Day. Hope you didn't spend it too lonely. And he was like, no, I spent it with my, with my boyfriend. Anyway, he texted me, he DM'd me just this morning before I got on to say, just letting you know that my Valentine's boyfriend um, we've ended it tragically. Wait, did he say it ended tragically or you're adding tragically onto that story? No, he wrote tragically, capital letters. I'm intrigued now. I haven't I haven't had any update on that. Oh, I'll tell you privately. I just told him that we wouldn't spill all of the tea. Like, Oh, you asked him what, this, what the story was and you- I don't know. Sometimes I'm very like persuasive. Very inquisitive you are. Yeah. Very inquisitive. You know me. You know me. Um, I had a little bit of feedback. Um, my cousin Nick said he needed closure on my Barcelona darkroom story. He was- <laughs> He was wondering if I ever got the wallet back. And the answer is no, I never did get the wallet back. But it, I have become one of those annoying people who always warns you about being pickpocketed in Barcelona now. <laughs> so true. Uh, my other feedback was uh, Rishi Pal messaged me and he asked if we could discuss how to appeal to older guys. But I've got a feeling that he was just trolling me somehow. I haven't, so I'm not sure we'll do that. Oh my God, is this another LinkedIn sexter? Yes, sexting is my new marketing strategy. It's going very well. It is actually going very well. We have had an increase in in uh, listens, so keep it up. <laughs> oh, now, last week we mentioned briefly uh, we were talking about the subject of dick pics, and I saw someone this week tweeting that they'd done the maths, and that this guy shares an average of nine dick pics a week, and if you multiply that out by fifty two weeks, he's sharing four hundred and sixty eight dick pics a year. Are you up to that level? Do you know, I actually don't think that nine dick pics a week is a lot. Like maybe like, especially pre-COVID times, like I think COVID has obviously changed people's sexual behavior, but I don't think nine's a lot. I wouldn't say that I'm at that level, but what I'm more curious about is are they like nine original dick pics or is he reusing? Yeah. What's your strategy? Oh, I love to reuse. What, you've got a, a an approved library of images. An archive. Yeah. I tend to take a fresh one each time. Oh, they're never brilliant. And it's always obviously just a quick photo kind of thing. So the lighting's not, you know, on point. And And do you know what I was just thinking? Like much like sometimes when you have like a bad hair day, like I don't really think people have bad dick days. No, I think you do. I disagree. Oh, I guess I've never experienced that hair toss. toss. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, what was that? Oh, just blessed. Always ready. (laughs) I woke up like this. (laughs) So you think that you have bad dick days? Yeah, I think definitely. Like, because when you take it and you look at it and go, it didn't look like that yesterday. I think that's the photographer. I don't think it's the model. One and the same. Do you ever send unsolicited dick pics? Yes, I do. Oh my gosh. Do you ever? Okay, wait. So yes, I do. And then my follow-up to that is, do you ever send them and then unsend them after you're finished? No. How do you unsend them? Oh, you can use Instagram. (laughs) Well, what's the point of unsending them? They didn't reply. Like, I'm sending you because I'm horned up. I'm hoping you're going to send me back some material to help me. You did not respond. Unsend. But is this with someone that you've been talking to for a while or is it just cold first message in dick pic? 
No, I'm not one of those people. Are you a cold dick pic? No, I, I don't send unsolicited. I only send if someone asks me for them. So I do show my face on like on apps, but like for those people that don't have a profile photo, what I want to know, I don't know the psychology behind the people, which I get in my mind, this is the narrative that I've created. No profile pic sends unsolicited dick pics straight up because that's like your opener. Like, I just, I'm not mad at it. Frankly, I'm actually not mad. When people kind of say, I don't want any unsolicited dick pics, I'm like, "Mm, I'm okay with that. Oh yeah, I I don't object. I'm happy to have them, but I just feel like there should be some, before I send a dick pic, I'm just going to need some indication that you actually want my dick pic. Oh yeah, and just make sure that you're a real person. Yeah, that's one of the reasons why I always take a fresh one because I don't want any messing around with, is that really your dick? No, this is me, there's my face, there's my dick, all in one shot, have at it. Oh, do you know what? Okay, so um, obviously people do get catfished as well. I have a friend and he has obviously been catfished numerous times, so he's very stringent. Have you seen the people that are like, send me a photo where you're doing something? So send me a photo with like, your, with three fingers up on your right hand. Yeah, you're validating that the person is actually who, who you're talking to. So they do that. There's, and then another friend, so this friend, he also will check the power outlets in the background of your photo. So if you're saying, hi, I'm from Australia or hi, I'm from Canada, and you're sending a dick pic, he'll try and look through the background to see whether it matches where your location is. So he'll look to see what the, the power outlet, like smiley faces. Gays are smart, aren't they? I know. And I'm like, girl, someone burned you bad. Who hurt you? Who hurt you? Who hurt you? (laughs) Exactly. But this is why they should let gays in the military, because we're good at being spies and stuff, aren't we? Yeah, but do you know what? I wanted to be a spy one time. You'd be a terrible spy. I have so much range, Gareth. (laughs) I could be anyone. I could be a Natasha. I could be a I could be a Kim Jong something. I could be (laughs) I could be a lot of things. So that was the end of your spy career? Yeah, obviously didn't get recruited as a Boris or a Doris. I'm just naming all the the, the code names from um, True Lies. Oh my God, I love that movie. Jamie Lee Curtis on that bedpost. Arnold Schwarzenegger? No, I'm not here for that. Oh. Okay, my question now is what I want to know is everyone obviously sends nudes. I feel like everyone and OnlyFans is getting more and more popular. Like porn is just becoming a little bit more mainstream. Like if you don't have a friend that does porn, do you even have a friend? I've got several friends, by the way. I just remember like five, 10 years ago, it was like so scandalous to find out that your friend did a porn. Now it's like, so-and-so's got an OnlyFans. Yeah, no, I agree. You're surprised if they don't have one. No, carry on. So do you think applying for jobs? My parents are adamant that like, not that they think that I do porn, but they're just adamant about like, don't post anything on social media that could be contentious because it could affect your job prospects. Do you think, do you think HR cares? That's a really good question. I think it still depends. I think it's definitely changed and it's not as restrictive as it used to be, but it definitely still depends on the job that you're trying to do. So, you know, we've got friends who are barristers, for example, they can't be having an OnlyFans because that's incompatible with the career they've chosen. And the same would probably be for, I don't know, maybe teachers. I don't, maybe something like that. You probably don't want to have an OnlyFans account as well. Does it technically also breach any professional like 
if you're in a governing, like if your profession is governed by like a college or something and they have, does that, should that actually even come into play? I don't even know. Uh, no, I do know a bit about this. Things like the legal profession, it could be if you're judged to be bringing the profession into disrepute. So ah. is a porn career bringing the whole profession into disrepute? But I've got a real an example on this. Um, in the UK, there's a porn actor called Mark McCauley. That's his legal name as well as his porn name. Uh, and he he used to be in the army and he's still in the army reserve. The army have said they're totally fine with him being a porn star and having a porn career as long as he doesn't do anything that brings the the uniform or the military into disrepute. Carry on, you do you. That's what I was thinking when you said that. I was like, so you if you were a lawyer, you couldn't do like a law porn if you are a doctor, you shouldn't be doing like only prostate exams. I think that's a logical explanation. I'm not sure that's how it works for those professions in practice, but I'm not the expert. Now, continuing my quest to try and educate you on gay history, today I thought we'd take a look at bathhouses. Oh, yeah, because last time I mentioned that I've never, ever been in one, but I do, it is on my bucket list. Gay bathhouses and saunas are sex on-premises venues. Now, obviously, they've taken a bit of a hit during lockdown, but fingers crossed we'll all soon be back in a bathhouse before too long. Now, the, the concept of a bathhouse isn't a new one. The ancient Greeks usually get the credit, but communal bathing is something that can be found in, in most parts of the world. Of course, anywhere where there's guys getting naked, you're going to find guys getting off with each other. <laughs> Is that just a hard and fast rule? I've done the research. I've read books on this. <laughs> you put a room full of guys in a, you know, get them naked, stuff happens. Now, the, the style of bathhouse that we're familiar with today began to emerge in New York and London in the early 20th century. They deliberately took their inspiration from the ancient Greeks and the ancient Romans, that kind of style. Gay bathhouses became more visible in the 1960s and 1970s, but then a lot of venues closed when HIV hit in the 1980s. Today, in most major cities, you can find a gay bathhouse. They've even survived the rise of hookup apps. And bathhouses continue to play a really important role in creating a space where men can get together, get naked, and get off. <laughs> That part, that last, that last line, you took that from a scientific journal, didn't you? <laughs> that is the title of my thesis. <laughs> so I would like to ask you, why have you never been to a bathhouse? Shame. You're in a saboteur? No, I don't know. I just, yeah, I guess kind of it is a little bit of shame. Um, like, oh, I need to go to a bathhouse to have sex, that kind of thing. But now as, a, as I've like gotten, and I think that was just like younger me, but now that I've gotten older and I kind of care a little bit less, I'm like, it's kind of like a fun activity. It could be like, it's like going on a roller coaster. It's like going skydiving, bucket list, you know, those kind of activities. Yeah, but also that's one of the preconceptions that you sort of hear a lot. Uh, people sort of say, oh, you know, the guys in bathhouses are just old guys who can't get sex anywhere else kind of yes, thing. Yes, desperate. Yeah, but that's so far from the reality. It's really surprising, I think, that, you know, when you actually go to a bathhouse, the diversity of guys that you see there, the age range, the socioeconomic range. What can you see? Oh, hold on. I'm confusing with dark rooms. Is it as dark as a dark room? No. Oh. <laughs> What are you talking about? No, the bathhouses are different to dark rooms. I know, but I just always assumed that they were also pretty dark and dingy. No, it depends on the design. Uh, quite often there'll be a dark space. There might be 
you know, perhaps the steam room could be quite dark or there might be a corridor where there's the lighting's deliberately low to give that darkroom experience. But as a rule, they're not dark places. Oh, interesting. I remember we used to always joke about like you could you can book a room, right? Yeah, in some places, definitely. Yeah. And I always was like, oh, if I ever booked a room, I would like redesign it, put like a bit of a beaded curtain on the front. <laughs> I was going to move into one for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, next question is then the cleanup. Like in general, I'm I'm thinking it's going to be cleaner than a dark room because like, I don't know, like I just feel as though the, the cleaning schedule, just talk to me about that because you've had experience. You used to work in a sauna. Yes, definitely. I did. Uh, I worked in a sauna in London for, I don't know, maybe it was about six months or so. Um, and it was a really cool experience, actually. But the cleaning, as a general rule, bathhouses have a focus on cleaning and like to keep the place as clean as possible to make the whole experience as, as enjoyable and hygienic for everyone. You know, so there's people will generally clean up after themselves a bit. But obviously there's still some accidents that happen and things that have to be cleaned up. And that's the staff are there to make sure that everything's going smoothly. Can you give me your best horror story of working in the bathhouse? <laughs> from a cleaning point of view? Or? Yeah, from a worker's point of view. The worst bit is drugs, really, um, because if people have uh, you know overdoses or problems with, with drugs, then that can really be a bit of a drama. Did you ever have to try to resuscitate someone? Uh, I didn't have any terrible... We had the ambulance quite often. Um, how often is often, Gareth? Um, On a week, how many times? Just speaking generally, at least once. Uh, so at least once a week, you'd have some sort of incident which would require the ambulance. Um, you know, if sometimes you get people who... Are, drunk or problematic and so sometimes the police have to get involved and that's a bit of a drama um so you, you're trying what you're trying to do is just keep everything running smoothly everyone there having a good time in out get the job done carry on are there security cameras yes well obviously it depends on the sauna or the bathhouse but usually yes there's some pretty solid security camera action yeah, I can imagine. And on all, I can, and look, I'm thinking from a security point of view, I'm thinking also from a voyeuristic point of view. That's just what, that's where I'm going with that. But actually, I really enjoyed working in a sauna because um, the people that I was working with were really good. So, you know, it was actually, you know, a really social experience to go in and work a shift because you'd see lots of people that you knew, you know, lots of people coming in to use the sauna. You'd get to know them as well because they were there on a regular basis. Uh, so it's, it becomes a real community hub in a way. And that's what I think, you know, sometimes people don't realise that, that they're not just a place to go and have sex. They are that, but they can be a lot more than that as well. Oh, interesting. So almost like you see the same people as kind of like friends. Oh, totally. Like I was friends with the staff, obviously, but the, you know, you'd have you know regular clients, you'd have sex workers who'd be using it on a regular basis. Before I worked in a bathhouse, whenever I went to one, I would never try and make conversation with the staff kind of thing because I was just trying to be cool and not talk to anyone and just get you know get my rocks off um but I was surprised working there you know most people who come in as customers are really up for a chat and really like having a conversation you know so when I go to bathhouses now I'm much more inclined to spark up a conversation with the staff I, I like that I think like that actually has also made me rethink my stigmatism about bathhouses 
<laughs> your stigmata. <laughs> <laughs> that one too. Yeah. Wait, so you have a bathhouse in Toronto. Do you have more than one or is it just one? No, there's only one. So that's my other thing. I'm like, and also the, I would assume like the, just in London, the throughput and the, the number of people just means that, I don't know, this, it's still that shame thing of like, oh, I don't want to be seen here. So that's kind of like why, but I shouldn't care. No, exactly. Because what does it matter if someone sees you in a bathhouse thing? I don't know. Just asking so many questions. Gosh. (laughs) When did you start to hate yourself? (laughs) Because obviously you you have no issues with stripping down in a locker room or getting into a pair of Speedos. So you've seen pretty much everyone in Toronto in Speedos anyway. So... (laughs) And they've seen me. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe when this pandemic is over, first one in line. But wait, you did say that you would be happy to go, or, or that if you were going to go to a bathhouse, you would probably be, feel more comfortable going to one in Europe or in a city that wasn't your own. Yes. Which would be your ideal city to go to a bathhouse in? Oh, um, I feel like in Paris, maybe. And then do you know which one always still tickles my fancy? Do you remember that time when we were in Brussels and you got mugged and I left my bag, my drag bag at the bar? Good times, good times. Your boyfriend at the time hated me. He associated everything bad that happened to you with me. He's like, every time you go away with Ming, something happens. Every time Ming's around, something happens. Where is the lie? Where is the lie? (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember we went back to the bar to try and get my drag bag? And then there was a massive queue outside the Brussels sauna. And I was like, oh, this place just seems pumping and i get it was because it was pride wasn't it or something uh, no i think it was le demons was on le demons yeah, yeah that's right and and that's what happens on a le demons weekend in brussels is it's the it's a one-in-one-out situation for the bathhouse yeah and i was like even though i have no idea what's inside i'm like i want to be in there because also the the guys in the queue yeah the guys in the queue looked hot too really hot so brussels uh, the, the other one that's always a good one is the bathhouse in cologne because uh, they have like an outdoor pool this was before I knew you, but we went to Cologne for gay games and the bathhouse was just like the hub of activity for everyone because it was hot weather. So you could go and sit by the pool there and everyone was there from the different sports. So it was a really good sort of place to be. Ooh, our guest has arrived. Oh, this way. Shoes off. Thank you. Thank you. Hey guys. How are you? Oh my goodness. I like just woke up. <laughs> All right, so let's kick off. Jovan, when we think about you and we look at your CV, you're more than a triple threat. You've got the musical theatre background, the fitness motivator, you're an Andrew Christian underwear ambassador, an Insta influencer, you're the king of TikTok with over 400,000 subscribers, and you're fueling our fat fantasies with fan subscription content. Does that cover everything that you do? I'm sorry, I'm distracted by the compliments. Um <laughs> Kick off by just explaining sort of what was your path into musical theatre? Was that something you were always passionate about? I wasn't that into musical theatre, but I was really into karaoke. A lot of Filipinos love karaoke and singing and, you know, and Disney and you're doing all of these things. And when I was a freshman in high school, uh, someone had told me to audition for a summer musical. I did it and I absolutely fell in love with it. The first show I ever did... um, uh, was when I was 14, I played John Darling because they were a very progressive cast. They let an Asian boy be John Darling and Peter Pan. And so I, um, I from then I kind of fell in love with it. I started listening to a lot of musicals and continued and pursued theater from there. And you were 
in a touring show when you were first approached by Sean Cody. What what show were you touring then? Oh, wow. Uh, so Sean Cody, the first time I ever shot with Sean Cody was many moons ago. Um, so way back in the day, the first tour that I ever did was a dance tour. And unfortunately, when the dance tour had found out that I had done just a solo video for Sean Cody, um, I was like, go. Oh. Because it was a different time back then. This was, a, this was a very long time ago. And so, you know, during that time, I actually stopped pursuing any sort of porn or adult entertainment. Because I was like, you know, if this is how this is going to affect me, I talked to my manager at the time, I needed to move from there and decide whether I wanted to go into the adult industry or if I wanted to pursue theater. Um, and I chose theater at the time. And you've talked about how the pandemic was sort of an opportunity for you to to rethink things and take another look at the adult entertainment industry. Was that a, sort of a fairly liberating moment to go, oh, I can give it another go kind of thing? Absolutely. So the thing about the pandemic that was interesting is that when I had done Sean Cody, it was many years ago, but it, people still recognized me from it. And so when um, I was uh, back in January of last year and February, I was still touring with a dream show. I had always wanted to be in um, Miss Saigon and I had missed the Broadway auditions. And when I missed the Broadway auditions, I was living in Los Angeles. I was like, you know what? I am going to fly to New York and I'm going to audition for the Broadway tour. So when I ended up getting the Broadway tour, it was like a dream come true. I, it was a show that I always wanted because when I was younger, there wasn't a lot of um, entertainment where there wasn't just an Asian, there were Asians in the show, multiple Asians. Cause we just don't see many of our faces as um, the majority of a cast. And so it was exciting. and since I was a child, I'd always wanted to be in that show. Then the pandemic happened, took my dream show away from me and I got, kind of fell into a depression. And when I got into that depression, someone was like, you know what you should do? You should open up TikTok. Um, it, you don't have to sign up. You, all you have to do is watch it. It'll make you laugh, it'll make you feel good. And it did to the point where I like su got super addicted. It is addictive. Like I remember lying in bed and I'm like, fuck, it's like whatever, like 3 a.m. and I'm like, Oh, I didn't go to sleep yet. <laughs> the reason I fell asleep last night at 4.30 was because of TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so what's so crazy is that I started watching these very progressive younger generation and other circles that aren't just mine talk about sex positivity. And people were talking more so about it and it made me feel more comfortable with it. And I didn't have a job and it wasn't because of this, but I'd always wanted to kind of go back into the adult industry. And so then I was just like, what if I do this? And I talked to a couple of friends who had just opened OnlyFans, seeing how it went. They're like, Joven, do you like sex? I was like, I do. They're like, we don't make a lot of money from it. It's just like a nice little pastime. It makes us feel good, you know? And so I did it and it kind of blew up for me, which is great. <laughs> it's really funny. Representation, people don't really understand, like, but white people don't get it because representation, like white, the world is representative of white people. So like, it is such a big deal. I didn't even get it when people were watching Black Panther and like the black community was like going off about about it, like like being like, oh my God, this is our movie. And then Crazy Rich Asians, Asians came out and I was like, oh yeah, I'll go see it. But then like watching it, you're like, oh my God, we do that. Like I get that and I connect with that. So like, you're right. Like even seeing like yourself, even on TikTok, on Instagram, like doing well, like also with your only fans, it's kind of like, yeah, hello. Like Asian people have sex too. And Asian people are just as sexy. I just remember there was this one time we went traveling, Gareth and I, and we were in Denmark and I hooked up with this local Dane and he literally, like I went back to his place and before we even like got hot and heavy, he was like, I'm just letting you know, I've been with an Asian guy before. Oh. <laughs> 
Like, <laughs> it's funny because they think it's a compliment. The whole like you're hot for an Asian. I know. It's like, thank you. Oh my god, let's let's jump in your bed right now. <laughs> you won me over. You've got me. I, I I feel so special. Like, and it's funny because growing up, I actually thought that was a compliment, which is so sad because I grew up in white suburbia. Yeah, you know, they're like, oh, you're cute for an Asian, or you know, and um. Because I wanted to assimilate so much to this country, I grew up. I was born in the Philippines when I um, and trying to assimilate so hard. You're like, oh my gosh, if any person that is normal, which was the white people around me, then I um, want to do anything to gain their favor. We went through a period in our in like growing up and being and also like finding out whether we're gay. Like I at several times wanted to be white. Like that was a thing that like entered my mind and was like, how can I be? How can I like? be white oh my gosh i dyed my hair blonde and wore blue contacts in high school i still dye my hair blonde and wear blue contacts <laughs> but, now, but now it's fashion it's like it's cute like whatever but like now it's back then it was because i wanted to look like the people in my high school oh yeah it's so crazy and the thing is like i think that we have trouble accepting that we're beautiful is because um we don't just we don't see our face as being a um, an idea of what people want, right? And so I think that when when I was growing up, like think of an Asian male lead in in a show that was like the love interest. Okay, there weren't the, on TV or anything, right? And so you always think like you're the other. You don't ever feel like you are part of the um, initial group. Like you don't walk into a store and you don't see like I walked down the Barbie aisle. Where was Asian Ken? You know, there was there really wasn't. And so you know. Even like if you think say by the bell, you know, there wasn't like this hot Asian gay, Asian guy character, right? And I think that that's something that I hope that I and you, because you're, I mean, you do the same thing in um, Drag Race Canada is like, uh, even on Drag Race here, there aren't a lot of Asian male faces in the show that um, in the pit crew. And so, you know, allowing us to see someone that is attractive and Asian is so unusual to people and we have to make it the norm. That's why you guys just recently was released, uh, re-released the Cinderella version of Brandy. The Prince is Asian. And that was the, the first time as a child that I'd ever seen an Asian male lead where all the women want the Asian guy. And it was like this, and this is the 90s. I was like, oh my gosh, like we are beautiful. Our culture is beautiful. We as Asian men can be beautiful and people see that. It was the most eye-opening thing to me. And because I saw an Asian male in theater, it said to me, oh my God, I'm allowed to do theater. You know, when you see your, people that look like you all the time, you're, you know, you don't have to, that's what I think that you were touching on earlier is like, you know, when you're white, you see people that look like you uh, all the time. So you you feel allowed to do everything where when you're a person of color, until you see a face that looks like yours, you don't know what you are allowed to do. That's so true. Well, let's, get into the the language of that then because we're talking about you know how we describe being desirable and stuff and one of the words that we've been kicking around is trade and Jovan you've been doing some research for us yeah so you you guys sent me what you know we'll be talking about trade and I was like can you just tell me what that means I have no idea like trading Pokemon cards like I don't know what you guys mean so um, I was uh I looked it up you know I went into you guys sent me the Urban Dictionary I looked it up on Wikipedia and then I was like, is it just me? And so I called my friends, they didn't know what it meant. And recently I started doing Clubhouse and I started entering just these gay chat rooms. And so I was like, hey, can I ask the room a question? And the question is, what and how do you use the word trade? One was like, trade means that a guy is hyper-masculine. 
I was like, oh, okay. They were saying, um, another person said he's ext- uh, a really dangerous guy. So if you're saying that someone comes in, it's like, oh, he's a guy like the guy that rides it on a motorcycle. And you're like, oh, he's, uh, he, he's straight. You know, um, he is a guy who is straight passing. So someone who is straight passing, um, someone who is down, uh, down low. So like you, they don't want to talk about being gay. Um, then another person said um, that it was someone who traded in drugs. So a gay guy who sold drugs. I was like, he was like, that is what, that's actually the guy. And I was like, I don't think that that's what it means. He's like, no, that's what it means. It means that he trades drugs. He's a pusher, Callie. He's a pusher. Exactly. <laughs> um, so my research has brought me to the fact that all of your, all of the people that were in your chat room are, are like, right. And like, if you combined all of those things, you've pretty much got the definition. Except the drug guy. Oh, yeah, the drug guy. Sorry. So people use the word trade. And I thought this was really interesting because I believe like even on like RuPaul's Drag Race or even like within our community, they're like, that guy's trade. And in my head, I'm like, oh, that just means that people think that he's hot. But there's like so much more behind it. Back in the day, it was to describe somebody that was on the DL, that was like straight acting, that was kind of hyper-masculine and you had like different types of trade, like you could have rough trade. But the reason why it's called trade is because if you were to go sleep with these people, you are trading your like your 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 life in a way, like the security that you might not, like you might get beaten up because this person is on the download. So it's like a trade of your own safety. Oh, so it's kind of dangerous. It's a down low guy. It's a hot guy. Okay. But now people just are like, oh, he's trade. And you're like, oh, you mean he's hot? Not necessarily that he is on the down low or that he is straight acting or that he's not out and all that stuff. So I was like, I thought that was super interesting. Isn't it interesting that we still, it's synonymous to say that you are hot and masculine like that's the same thing a hundred percent we don't have time to unpack that joven there's a lot with that (laughs) come back for follow-up episode episode, another episode time oh me and my ted talks okay joven each week we've been workshopping an erotic novel what are some of your go-to erotic fantasies are are there any role play scenarios or fantasies that always get your attention I really like when like an authority figure and I could be either side is like, I'm going to take advantage of my authority and use you, you know, whether it's like, it's like those cheesy, it's like the cheesy porns where it's like, I really need this job. I'll do anything for this job. Secretary boss kind of thing. Yeah, exactly like that. Or it could be like, gosh, I just got a new stepdad. You know what I mean? Or like, I, or like, oh gosh, I just got pulled over by a cop. I don't know what I can do to get out of this ticket. And I love how many examples you have. Well, I, I think those authority figure examples are good ones that we can work with because in this story that we've got, we've got three main characters uh, and one's a burly neighbour, one's Uncle Walt, and then his nephew is Robbie. And so how could we bring some sort of authority figure role play into that sort of three-way dynamic? Who's the neighbor? Uh, Aiden. Aiden. He's a hairy lumberjack um, because they're in the Canadian mountains. But he's just, he's just like, he's just the friendly neighbor, muscly, hairy, <laughs> big. Is he asking the nephew over for help with permission from the uncle? Oh. <laughs> or maybe he could also own like a company. Or he could get, he could have a little thing with the uncle and the nephew's watching and like he gets in trouble. And he has to be punished somehow. (laughs) (laughs) What if Aiden was the boss of the logging company or something? And so that brings in that power dynamic. You've got to have, 
you know, he's in charge, isn't he? So how does he control the situation? Like Robbie can work for Aiden at the logging company. I like the idea of the uncle or the uncle catching the nephew with the neighbor or someone catching someone with the neighbor. Jovan, if someone was going to write some fan fiction about you, what sort of creative direction would you give them? Man, anything. I would just say there's some things I don't like and then you can do anything else with the things I like. What's off limits then? Um, okay, so this is it because I'm not, it, I just, I'm not, um, <laughs> I'm very tight. So I like, I, I wouldn't fist. Like that's something that I can't do. I'm sorry, was this about filming or was this about this book? I'm sorry. <laughs> well, it could be either, but I, I was just thinking, you know, if someone was going to write some fan fiction about you, so you were going to be the character in their fantasies and you would tell them, okay, well, just no fisting. I can, you know, I'm up for anything else. Just I, I, I guess if I could be in one, I think it, I think it would have to be something in the authority, in the authority thing. Like I just, it's, I like that fantasy. I want to be taken advantage of or like, you know, you fall in love with a photographer and the photographer is like, take off another item. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) Now, Jovan, the other thing we wanted to talk to you about was Ming's game, The Island. Ming, do you want to explain this one? So you're on a deserted island, three people, first person you just like get rid of straight away. You don't even like do anything with them. They're just gone. Second person you have sex with and then you kick them off. Third person you keep for company, but you can't touch them. So kick off straight away, have sex, kick off, and keep for company. Those are the three actions that you have to do. Okay. Okay. First ones are the men from the musicals. You've got the choice between the Phantom from Phantom of the Opera, Jean Valjean from Les Mis, and Alexander Hamilton from Hamilton. Okay. You know, I think about it and I just think that I don't want to hear about Christine over and over again. So I'm going to, I'm going to kick off the Phantom of the Opera because I get it. You're into her. She's not, she's like, get over it. Um, and then I started so kick him off because I'm not going to play Christine for him. Uh, but then, oh, but he would like me to sing for him. No, I'm going to keep him so I can sing for him all the time. He can help me with my vocals. So I'll keep the fan of the opera, but I won't touch him. I would kick off Jean Valjean and then I would have sex with Alexander Hamilton. Good. Nice. I like that. Um, so you watch Survivor? It's my favorite show. Really? <laughs> it is. My favorite show. I mean, it's the closest thing that we have to true reality television. You literally are putting these people on an island and taking away most everything that they absolutely can live on. And you're saying, uh, live together and win. And what I like about it is if you watch it from the year 2000 on, it is a small example of what the world is like at that point. I love that. Okay, so Boston Rob, Sandra, or Amber. Amber's so boring. She's sweet. Actually, do you know what? Let's replace Amber because I have a real soft spot for Ethan. Oh, that makes it hard. Ethan, Boston Rob, and Sandra. When you say you have sex with them, you only have sex with them once. Literally, just bust your nut in, like, do whatever, and then go straight away. Okay, do you know what? I, I, I've done some thinking. Okay. I would definitely keep Sandra. Uh-huh. I, I would kick Boston Rob off, and I would have sex with Ethan. Um, I would have, I probably have sex. Oh, this is so hard. I like all three of them. I just don't think Sandra would be very good to help us survive. Um, so I would say that I would have to kick off Sandra, even though I love her. But Jovan, Jovan, think about this. The reason why I'm keeping Sandra is because she's got the most meat on her. So I can barbecue her. Well, see, that's why you have to keep like, uh, Boston Rob or Ethan. Oh man, that makes it hard because Boston Rob could get his food. But I think that he'd be good in bed because I think he'd be selfish. That's why it's like having sex with him once. 
But okay, so I would. Oh, but Boston Rob would get us all the food. It's true, he would fish for us. Yeah, because like if I'm gonna have sex with you once, it's like I don't want to have like loving, love, love, love sex, which I think Ethan would do. Oh, yeah. But <laughs> okay, so yeah, I think that I would because I need food. So even though I want to have sex with Boston Rob, it would have to be I keep Boston, get rid of Sandra, and have sex with Ethan. Okay, that makes sense. All right, last category. Last category. We've got the men from adult entertainment. You've got the choice between Jack Andy, Adam Russo, and Austin Wolf. That's so hard. Those are like all three of my friends. That's so hard. I can't. No, I, I, they're, all my, they're actually all my friends. Like, I feel like I could text any of them. I'm going to be like, they asked me this mean question about you guys. Who would I want to spend the most time with? So the one I know the, the least is Jack Andy. So because, but Jack, Andy, like, they're all really good in bed. So um, can I just have sex with all of them and then be alone on the island? I think that's the best way forward. (laughs) I feel like I'm like Ariel and the Little Mermaid. Like, I wouldn't want to sacrifice anyone. I would just sacrifice myself. I feel this, do you know what? I see this as a Disney thing where you'd be like, I just had sex with all of them. I gave my spirit and my soul. And then you became like the spirit of the island. And it's like Moana. Exactly. I, I will say that one of the interesting things, so you guys, I only started OnlyFans a couple months ago. And as I've been on OnlyFans, I've gotten, I've had the opportunity to meet these people that I watched in porn for so long. And I would say like the majority of them, like the people that you were saying, like are so kind and nice and you meet them as like real people. And you're like, they're every, it's just real people, right? And now you get used to it, especially now that I've moved to West Hollywood, but there's still that fantasy, but it's a fun thing getting to know them as past that, part of your brain that is the the fantasy well that's the end of the episode make sure to subscribe and tell your friends we are whores for attention so i'm joven calloway and you can follow me on instagram at jacobobs and tiktok at jacobobs if you want my adult content i'm jacob ethan dale at twitter follow me on instagram at ming underscore a underscore ling 88 follow gareth on twitter at gtv london we'll be back again soon for more snowballing and more gay nonsense